Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid, just walk with your Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is January 28th, uh, 2014. Wow, I can't believe it's 2014, but it is. And I talked with you last week from Park City, Utah, the Sundance Film Festival. And I was there just a few days, and I saw a really great film called Private Violence that I hope you all will check out. Very, very powerful film about domestic violence. And uh, there was another film called Fed Up, which was a really great film about food and the sugar industry. Just a little heads up, we have a really, uh, I don't know, I, I, don't even, I don't know him, but Jeffrey Foote, is it Foote? <laughs> He's a PhD, co-founder and executive director of the Center for Motivation and Change a treatment center in New York City employing 25 PhD-level psychologists and specializing in the use of evidence-based approaches for substance use issues. Dr. Foote has been a leader in the science and humanity of change in addiction treatment for 25 years as both a research scientist and a clinician. Currently, he is involved in a number of groundbreaking projects, including developing a national self-help training program based on craft training parents to learn to coach other parents to craft, opening a new rehab facility in the beautiful Berkshire Mountains of western Massachusetts, and releasing a book called Beyond Addiction that's coming out on February 18th that is a compassionate and science-based family guide and roadmap for navigating the addiction treatment world, as well as training in the use of craft skills. These practical skills include self-care, positive reinforcement, and staying connected in a constructive, positive way to help your loved one. He also has an ongoing involvement in sports psychology and peak performance and was a psychologist for the New York Mets for 11 years. And with that, I will bring on my guest. Hi there. Hello. Is Jeff? It is. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm jealous that you were in Park City. <laughs> it's beautiful. You can go anytime, next year or <laughs> this summer. And, <laughs> and the Sundance uh, and everything, boy. Yeah, I hadn't been there in like 20 years for Sundance, so it was kind of exciting getting ready to go there maybe with my film next year. So, and What is your film? 
the 13th step. Wow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep, we'll talk more about that later if you want. Now, I want to get your name straight. Did I say your last name right? Close. Foot. <laughs> oh, it is foot. Yeah, I was like, is it footé or is it you know, fancier or is it foot? <laughs> very, very That's fancy, foot. yeah, foot. Ah, so how come I have never heard of you before? You sound like you're a sane uh, clinician. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in California and I'm in New York probably is why. Um, we've, we've, uh, I'm, I've been in addiction treatment, as you mentioned, for 25 years, but um, we've had our, our treatment program, Center for Motivation and Change, um, in Manhattan for about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, outpatient, we're about to open a rehab up in the Berkshires, but outpatient programs are kind of parochial, so it's not like if you needed treatment in Los Angeles, you would have ever heard of us because you're in Los Angeles, so. <clears throat> right, right. But still, I've been very interested in um, alternatives to any kind of 12 steps, so um, I'm really happy to have you on. And so let's start with, I'm really uh, happy to know about your book. I, I bought the Smart uh, Workbook for Family. I bought their workbook for teens. I bought their. I just love you know seeing all this sane other stuff. So let's talk about the name of this book, everybody, if you're listening, is um, Beyond Addiction. So can you tell me about yep. your new book that's going to be coming out? Yeah, sure. It's um it's a a book that was co-written by um, myself and and two of the other psychologists um, at our center, um, Carrie Wilkins and Nicole Kosanke, uh with the help of another writer, Stephanie Higgs, and um, it's something we sort of started to think about three or four years ago, just because we've been, as I said, we've been doing this work for a long time. Um, right. And I think what we what we've been doing is, and we can talk about what evidence based means, but we've been we've been <clears throat> We opened the center 10 years ago, specifically left other institutions and, and settings to um, open a treatment program that was dedicated to providing evidence-based approaches. Um, mm-hmm. And that, at the time, was unique and bizarrely is kind of still unique now. Um, yeah. um, you'd think it's, <laughs> you'd think that might have shifted some, um, and it, it has shifted a little bit, but... Right. Um, it's you know to to actually have your staff trained in motivational strategies and cognitive behavioral therapy and um, trauma treatments and dialectical behavioral therapy and and then family approaches like craft yeah. is still weirdly unusual um, and a, you know from our perspective I'm glad as a business but from perspective of the culture it's not such a great thing um, no uh, but we're so, going to change that we're going to change that <laughs> we're trying yeah I mean yeah yeah the book, mm-hmm. I have to say the book is is for us is 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 a huge, ridiculously um, difficult, pain in the ass labor of love. But it's it specifically is to help change the conversation uh, mm-hmm. because I think I'm hoping that through a writing in that way um, you get to reach more people than having your own little treatment program in New York. Um, I mean it's not so right. little, but it's in New York right. and it's not in Kansas and it's not in Washington and you know. So mm-hmm. that hopefully you can reach more people, and um, you know we have we have other guides for parents um, when their kids are using substances and stuff um, online that people can download, and those are all intended to actually have more of a reach than just being a, a you know a parochial program in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, so the book you know the book is organized um, in that way, really as a as a family guide, you know because. It, it's a terrible situation. Typically, you have 
the, every clinician has had this experience of someone calls and, you know, my husband is drinking too much and he doesn't want any getting help, or my kid is, seems to be out of control and he won't talk to me. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and like, what's the answer? Um, and the answers have historically been really pretty bad. Yeah. Um, you know, they have to hit bottom, you have to step away, mm-hmm. which for a parent is like an insane response. Um, yeah, right, right. Or, or you need to do an intervention or you need to take them to a wilderness camp or you need to get them into rehab or some other series of draconian responses that are often very alienating or often very um, black and white, not nuanced right. in any way to the situation. They're all kind of a one-size-fits-all response and, and typically fall into that, those two camps, either, either step away and detach or, or sort of come on heavy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, half of the book is really about CRAFT, which is the community, reinforce, community reinforcement and family training um, treatment approach from Bob Myers at University of New Mexico. Right. Um, uh, and, and that's a series of behavioral and motivational strategies to help the family, um, to help them help their loved one, to stay involved, to not step away, um, to use a lot of positive reinforcement strategies um, and self-care strategies. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been incredibly effective uh, as an approach in, in literally every research study that's been done on it over the last 15 years. Um, so that's, that's a big chunk of what we talk about in the book in very practical, I think, down-to-earth terms for, that families and parents and spouses and stuff can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and then, then, then there's a big chunk on just navigating the damn treatment system because it's again you're you're walking into this in a in a storm and you have no idea what's going on and you're panicked and upset and people lots of people are really happy to give you lots of opinions about what you have to do mm-hmm. um so it's it's often just a bad time for families um so we try to walk people through what the system is and how to navigate it and who's involved in the system and how to stand up for yourself and, you know, how to actually figure out whether a treatment is legitimate or not. And, mm-hmm. um, and those, are all, those are all kind of roadmap type of things that are really helpful. Um, uh, and then I guess the last part is just, which is actually the first part, is a whole discussion at the beginning of the book about what, what are problems with substances about and what is motivation and how does that play out and what is biology and um, uh, just getting an overview and understanding of, of substance use issues, you know, ranging from my kid is smoking a little pot to my husband is drinking two pints of gin a night and, you know, <laughs> has been doing that for 10 years. Right, um, right. And mm-hmm. I, we, try, we try to sort of tease that apart and make the point over and over in the book that, that it's really different for different people. And kind of the, the lumping of everything together is a cultural phenomenon of there's addicts mm-hmm. and then there's the rest of us. Um, yeah. is really, mm-hmm. that's, that's part of the whole stigmatizing of the whole thing, which is everybody is in the same category. And, and um, that's just not true and certainly not helpful. So, so that's what the book's about. And, um, wow, <laughs> I can't wait. Normally I have a book in front of me before I do an interview, but when I saw um, Barry's thing, Facebook, and then I saw what it was, I knew that you know it wasn't uh, you know, 12-stepping and I could just see by the title, and um, it just—I was like, "Oh, this sounds great!" And so I will get the book. I want to just say that I'm on your site. What a beautiful website! Really great website. I want Thanks. everybody. <laughs> so I'm here on the site. If you're listening, um, www.motivationandchange.com, and there it—I mean, it really is uh, 
it almost looks like it's different technology than uh, maybe a lot of us are on WordPress and it's kind of inexpensive, uh, it's free. But then you have the thing about the rehab. Then there's a parent's 20-minute guide, and then you can order the book Beyond Addiction, How Science and Kindness Help People Change. Um, this is an interesting thing because I met a woman, Amy Lee Coy, through blogging, who wrote a book uh, from Death to I Part. And she was the first person that I had ever heard talk about like kindness and being kind to yourself. And she actually freed herself mm. from addiction on her own by writing the book had been dropped off in rehab at 13, spent 20 years mm-hmm. in and out of AA, and rehabs didn't work, and finally she comes up with this little you know, plan for herself. So mm-hmm. I'm going to tell her about this, but it's really, really beautiful, and it very, very important. Uh, I took, um, I was sitting in a smart meeting uh, with my son and a couple of years ago, and there was a woman there who had a sober son, and but he wasn't doing what everybody around him wanted to do. And um, they were telling people in Al-Anon, the reason she was there is because she didn't like what they were telling her at Al-Anon, which was to throw our kid out on the street. And mm-hmm. uh, there were two yeah. young people there that were under 20 who had been sent off to rehab, been thrown out. And then they proceeded, thank God, to tell her how their lives got so much worse because their parents listened to these unprofessional whack jobs in Al-Anon. And, um, you know, so, uh, I mean, my film is about exposing Alcoholics Anonymous and all the dangers in it. But be- besides that, I think that it, it, it's so it's so old, it's so antiquated. And, you know, I, I watched a show, I was watching Catching Up on Shameless, and then I had even watched this new show called The Fosters. And I wrote a post about it on my blog because they were like, oh, you know, you're an addict, we're all addicts. And I just, like, wanted to punch them in the face. It's like, no Everybody is not an addict, and first of all, I don't use the word anymore if I can. I'm, that's why right. I, could, I could see in your writing. So I, I say alcohol and drug overuse issues um, or dependency issues. All the wording that was created in the 1930s and whatever they all they all hijacked our language and our culture with their language, and now it's all in the media. And the best thing that needs to happen is. You know, somebody like you with this new book will get on Pierce Morgan. We'll get on every, you know, maybe Katie Couric would have you on. She had me and Gabrielle Glaser on this past summer talking about Gabrielle's book, Her Best Kept Secret. We need media. Like, we all need, you know, you need Twitter. You need Facebook pages for all this. And we have to yep. do everything that Alcoholics Anonymous did at the top level. There was no grassroots movement of building AA. Marty Mann was a master PR person, I've learned, from making this film. They started from the top down. They came to Hollywood and began making their films. And systemically coming, you know, they sent people to my grade school, planting right. their fucking seeds from Alcoholics Anonymous. So as a next step, well, I'll say, I, I will say that, it's, that it's, um, it's an interesting thing to try to figure out how to do uh, in lots of different ways. Uh, the, the, um, <clears throat> the parent support network that we're working on um, is a, is a it's a brilliant idea, actually, that came from um, the partnership at DrugFree.org, who mm-hmm. have have been somewhat more traditional in their approaches over the years, and mm-hmm. are now to- totally embracing of craft and evidence-based strategies. Yeah. Um, and they're the ones who came to us actually and said, "Look, you guys are the psychologists and the guys who know how to develop treatment protocols. Can you develop, help us develop, <clears throat> excuse me, a national self-help?" parent support network based on craft. Um, and I thought, wow, that's like the best idea I've heard in five years. Um, well, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and train parents to be coaches for other parents um, so that they can 
talk to them in a more motivational way and in a more enlightened way, um, help them um, find craft tools to use. Um, and, th- and that's what we've done over the last year with them. That's what that 20-minute guide is. It's a sort of like a, it, it's a, sort of a self-help workbook um, for yeah. a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's you know, craft and motivationally oriented, um, so it mm-hmm. doesn't have that kind of stigmatizing language. Um, right. And, and <clears throat> it's, it, it is like an attempt to be a, a sort of a critical outreach piece for parents um, in those kind of situations. Mm. And, I, and I have to say, I, it's, it's, I'm going to actually try to talk to Bill White about this, who's you know, a great historian for, for the field in lots of different ways, because mm-hmm. he's spent a huge amount of time thinking through issues of training and paraprofessionals and, and how do things um, get sustained over time. And, you know, AA and 12-step programs have flourished around the world for, 50, for 70 years in, in, a, in a hugely prolific way. And, boy, I'd, I'd love to borrow some of that magic in terms of trying to spread these kind of messages. And I have to say, our, our message is not is not actually an anti-12-step message. I think the, mm-hmm. the, what, what the evidence tells us is that people change in all kinds of, of ways, and um, there really are different approaches that are helpful to, for different people. Um, right. what, what really doesn't work is telling people what they have to do, and, and, and it's one thing. Right. Um, so right. to the extent that traditional treatment has said 12 steps are the way, and if you don't do that, you're in denial and you don't really want to change and you haven't hit bottom, that's the insanity part of it. To the right, extent right. that you can say, to the extent that you can say this is a one route um, that might be really helpful. There's all sorts of aspects of it that might be helpful to you. The steps themselves, the community or the community aspect of it, the support. There's lots of incredibly um, helpful parts of of that community. Really helpful, and it really does help a lot of people. Um, and there's a bunch of other people who it's not particularly helpful to, or it's not meaningful to, and that's not what they want. Um, so the issue to me is much more about <clears throat> can we actually not live in a black and white world where you're supposed to do this or you're bad, but one where we can actually help people find a path that actually works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we we have smart recovery meetings in, in our program in the evening um, that, you know, Mickler Bishop in, in New York asked if we could sponsor them, and I said, sure, of course we can. We we love smart recovery, and you know, right, we've right. with Tom Horvath over the years on that, and it's, it's just, it's a wonderful help. And some people don't like smart recovery. So, you know, <clears throat> I think it really is helping people get the message that it, it doesn't have to be one way. And that's and I think that's the, that's a major part of the kindness part of this. I think that's why we said the subtitle of the book is Science and Kindness, because you, science can sort of feel like there's there's these truths, and now we have to follow those truths. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really not the idea. The idea is there's a bunch of stuff that works. Science will help us figure that out. And you actually have to kindly think about what is, who's the person in front of you and what would be useful for them. Wow. You sound so sane. I remember the first time I you know, heard, went to a SMART meeting. What, what is something somebody wouldn't like about SMART? Um, well, they might, <clears throat> they might feel like it's too uh, intellectual or they might feel like they want the spiritual aspect of it from AA or... Um, they want people to hug them and say the serenity of prayer. I mean, you know, so mm-hmm. that would be what one person wanted and felt like was really helpful to them. Right, right. <clears throat> uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I don't think that, A, is that helpful anymore? I think it's more harmful to a lot of people, but that's not 
the, the idea is that uh, people like me who were in AA for a long time, who knew how it got spread, mm-hmm. are going to be help, very helpful. Those of us who left and who were very involved in service and the service structure see it very clearly mm-hmm. how how it's done, how it was done, and that's we have to replicate that. And those of us mm-hmm. who are very passionate about it for whatever reason uh, are going to be those people that are going to replicate it and I think there need, does need to be a community, though, that comes together. And one of the goals, we're trying to get all the, I, would, I call them the other, the seven free options, which includes the Sinclair Method and use of naltrexone and reading a book, right, and going to your doctor, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. SMART or SOS and harm reduction and moderation. And um, there's two more, Women for Sobriety and Life Ring. But that if this community, we can get together the community that's in Los Angeles and have a luncheon, Right, that's the one thing that we're trying to do with Dr. Kern, and even have Claudia Christian, who's making a film on the it's called the small, I think the one little pill about naltrexone and how she used that uh, mm-hmm. for herself. That uh, then eventually, um, you know, maybe in New York like that, but we all come together and we share our our ideas of how mm-hmm. it got spread, AA, and what they did. And that we just are going to replicate that, but it also has to get into television and film. And mm-hmm. uh, people mm-hmm. need to be given the opportunity, just like this woman who just was on ABC News, to sit there again, once again, and promote Alcoholics Anonymous freely. Uh, and no one has ever, I, I've never seen anyone really, uh, you know, talk that way about smart or crap. But anyway, um, I am, right, right. I'm ex- uh, you know what I mean? I'm really excited to, uh, just saying that I am talking with just Jeffrey Foote, and Jeffrey is the dire- executive director of the Center for Motivation and Change out of New York City. So there's a lot of people that actually have contacted, you know, um, each other trying to find therapists that are not steppers. Mm-hmm. And so now we have another resource. And I want to tell you, one of the ways, there's huge blogs now, and even though they may seem kind of rogue, some of them, orange papers, they get two to three million hits a month. Like mine is minor. I get like two and a half million a year. But Stinking mm-hmm. Thinking is going to come back. And all of these are people who want to really get the word out, the resources on these blogs uh, for when people put into Google a non-12-step help, non-12-step therapist. It's so huge. Right. It's it's bigger than someone looking for, you know, Grandma's nighty from 1935. You know what I mean? <laughs> or... The cigarette pack that said cigarettes were good for you in 1935. Well, you know, we know that. <laughs> so, anyway, I, tell me more. I mean, I'm just, I think it's really exciting what you've done, and I'm so glad that, you know, but I found you through social media. And um, so do you have a page? Does Motivation and Change have a Facebook page and a Twitter? We do. Um, Yay! Yeah, we have a, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, do I know how to use them very well? No, but um, that's because I'm an old guy. Um, <laughs> you don't sell but, that uh, <laughs> Right. But we do have we do have a Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Center for Motivation and Change. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we do have a website for the book, which is uh, HTTP, it says backslash stuff, beyondaddictionbook.com. Um, beyondaddictionbook.com. That's, that's for the book itself. Um, okay, coming that's out good. On, it's coming out. I mean, you can go to Amazon and find it also. It's coming out on February 18th. It's uh, uh, Simon & Schuster. Um, oh, good. Simon & Schuster. That's awesome. They're going to help you yeah. do radio then. That's really good. That I'm glad to hear that you're on, um, that you have a major publisher. 
Yep, that will help. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, yeah. Hopefully, it's. A, I mean, it's a big deal. So, um, hopefully, it'll get out there. Um, you know, and we're again, we're trying to, we're trying to spread the word ourselves because we're, you know, we, we've been as, as I said before, we've been doing a lot of training and a lot of training with parents and so forth. And so, um, there's a lot of people involved who um, have been involved with, for instance, like the 20 minute guide, which is the other thing on our website, um, the resource. So. Um, We'll see. It's uh, promotion is not my strong suit. Um, it's we do you know have the Twitter and I'm at uh, at Jfoot PhD is my Twitter handle and um, okay. so people can certainly follow me there. Um, we also have one for the center which is at underscore the CMC T H E C M C. So those are the Twitter things. Um, and um you know we're we're working on it um yeah i'm on your facebook page so I, i'm in there i just liked i just liked you and then everybody else <laughs> who follows me i have three sites i have monica richardson i have 13 stepping and i have leaving aa um so i i went in there and did it and what i'll do is i'll invite all of the um ex steppers <laughs> into mm-hmm. that world which people then create there's about five blogs that put all the resources and books, like one is Expose AA, but they have a really great resource page where they put mm-hmm. all the books we recommend, all the links. Uh, so that's, um, I'll let the bloggers, you know, no, I'll put like a little, some of them might be listening, but uh, very good. So you know what, I'll tell you what, if you ever need help, you can call me. There was I'm over 50, and this other woman who started a blog, when we were both on WordPress, you'd be like, how do you do that? How do you make a new tab? And then we would like help each other you know, do something really simple and be all excited, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Right, it's a whole new world, right. Right, um, and you know, and there are. I think there are very good treatment options out there too. It's um, you know, Tom Horbath has been has been doing a great job for years down in La Jolla area. Um, yeah, yeah. Mark Kern, Mark Kern is in L.A. and he does a nice job. Um, there's some therapists we've trained who've been who've moved out to Los Angeles. A, a psychologist named Emily Cavell who's out there who does great work. So, um, so I think the, her, the number of therapists. Her, what's her name? Her name is uh, Emily Cavell, C-A-V-E-L-L. Um, and she's okay. uh, she's she's great, and she's a psychologist who who knows her stuff in terms of uh, substance use issues and motivational approaches and so forth. Um, mm, very good. Yeah, we need yeah. we need these names. Um, yeah. Tell me about. And you know, the yeah, other thing I would say is that, that I'm sorry, but I think the other thing that is is a is a part of this whole spreading the word. I mean, we started. You know, I had been in the research world for a while um, with federal grants, and we were doing studies on um, uh, finding alternative ways to, to help binge drinking college students, um, one large SAMHSA study grant for that, and another one for helping um, HIV-positive people find their way to substance abuse treatment because there was this huge gap between HIV programs and substance abuse treatment programs. Um, and all I would ever hear in the research realm was, why, why aren't these frontline treatment programs using our treatments, you know? Where we've you know been studying these things for years. We have all these great strategies, and um, and uh, no one's using them. You know, and Kraft oh. is is a, is a great example of that. You know, Bob Myers started researching and developing Kraft over 20 years ago um, well, and out, mm-hmm. of, out of University of New Mexico. It's it's a staggeringly effective way to help families, um, and literally no one nobody's ever heard of it. 
um, and we do we do a basically a free training for graduate students in the New York City area every year for about five weeks, um, and there's usually about 25 of them there. And every mm-hmm. year we say, how many of you guys have uh, had any uh, training in substance abuse treatment? And these are third and fourth year graduate students, psychologists to be. And literally yeah. every year it's zero or one person has had any training in their three or four years of graduate training. Um, and then when you ask them, have any of you heard of the following treatments, you know, community reinforcement approach, craft, they've never heard of it. Um, yeah. And it almost doesn't, almost doesn't matter how large the room is and whether they're professionals or not, no one's ever heard of it. Um, mm. And that's to, your point, uh, that's to your point about dissemination. It's just it doesn't get out there. So part, mm-hmm. part, of, our, part of our goal in starting our own treatment center um, and now in, in opening our own rehab is – is sort of the the political mission almost of spreading the word of what is good treatment right. and and where can you get it and why why isn't it available um, and I, I I think that what's about to happen which is just a weird almost business phenomenon is that in opening a rehab you uh, you assume a different level of visibility on a mm-hmm. national level because mm-hmm. again as an outpatient program it's it's just local. As an inpatient program, people are going to come from all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. And um, that gets noticed in a different way. Um, right. And on I, a, I want you a, to, on a national yeah, level. I, I want you so. to talk about um, that in a minute. I just want to suggest that there was Huffington Post Live had two different, uh, where they have like five people on and they talk. Uh, Stanton Peel was on. Uh, maybe when I find the link, I can send it to you. But there was a young woman, it was, um, well, there was two women, but it was the, the second show that was so much better. She was very open to different modalities, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to what you're talking about. And um, that would be a great thing for you guys to talk on. Uh, so let's mm-hmm. talk about the rehab. Tell me about the rehab. What's that going to be like? How long is it going to be? Sure. Um, well, it's something we wanted to do for a number of years. Um, Partly um, because, again, in the same in the same vein as the outpatient phenomenon, there just aren't uh, a lot of places that you can go that have a variety of evidence-based strategies and approaches available to people. So mm-hmm. um, when you when you um, and I you know I'm an out I've been in outpatient treatment for a long time and um, uh, have fairly strong feelings about and and. Um, you know criteria for when does somebody need to be inpatient, and it's often never. Um, and the, sort of the, the sort of the jump, the jump to this idea that you you better go to rehab is right. kind of crazy often, um, and it's yeah. kind of a knee jerk reaction. And you know, not not on not that you can't understand it. If families are scared or they're nervous, they don't know what's going to happen. They're you know, and they and, and someone's in a rehab, you know they're safe, and you know it's you know you can breathe easy for a little while, and and maybe they're going to get cured, you know, kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it's understandable, but you know I've sort of fought with that impulse in other providers for years and years. Like you know what, let's think this through. Why don't we put them on antibiotics first and see how that works? Why don't we? Try naltrexone. Why don't we intensify their outpatient program? You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and um, why don't we look at the trauma issues that are making everything feel completely disrupted all the time? Um, and, and there are lots of things to do before you would decide to go to an inpatient rehab because 
it's really damn disruptive for people's lives to go away. Right. And it's right. really expensive mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think you really want to give pause before you pull that trigger. Um, and then there are clearly times when it could be enormously helpful um, for any number of reasons. It's dangerousness, um, longevity of use that I'm unable to control. It's really you know un- unraveling my life in front of my eyes. Um, and so um, on an inpatient level, I think what's going to be really interesting is you just get to do different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's much more intense, uh, much more intensive. Um, and the, what we will be doing, which I think is part of what's so exciting for us, is is offering things that are not really available at a rehab level of care, um, like a variable variable length of stay. So, you know, one of the great barriers to someone going to residential treatment is you're going for a month. Well, I'm going to lose my job. Uh, I'm I can't possibly go for a month. But, right. uh, well, if you don't go for a month, you're in denial. Well, no, I'm actually going to lose my job, and that would really be a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, to be able to say to people, you can come for two weeks. You know, yeah, and, like and more about place. You, mm-hmm. And you can stay for longer if you want to, and you can decide mm-hmm. that as you go. But we're not. There's no particularly clinically valid demand that you have to be here for four weeks, and that's somehow magical. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could stay for two months if you need to and want to. You know, if you get here and then it turns out there's fairly significant trauma issues, and you would like to deal with those in a more significant way, and not in a magical way, but in an actual, you know, evidence-based right. treatment protocol for trauma. Um, right. then maybe that will take longer. So let's think about staying longer. So that's one thing I think will be very nice. Um, we're also going to be able to um, provide medications in a rational way and evaluate people's medication and decide whether they should be started on an opiate maintenance medication like Suboxone or, um, or Naltrexone or Antabuse or something because um, that's a, another huge barrier to rehab stays is mm, it, it's probably true that virtually or almost virtually every rehab in the country will take you off of Suboxone if you're on it. Mm. Um, and that's really a horrible practice. Um, right, right. Essentially yeah. what you're doing is taking people off of a medication that is right at the time they are discharged, they're at their most vulnerable for for um, relapsing and overdosing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a bad practice. Um, yeah, And so, so um, you know, we would be able to maintain people on, on Suboxone. We would be able to start them on Suboxone if that seems appropriate. We could start them on Vivitrol if they wanted to go that route. Mm-hmm. Or we could take them off medication if it, if it seemed clinically reasonable and that's what they wanted to do. Um, you know, but just to, just to have the options available for pharmacotherapies that actually help people, because mm-hmm. some pharmacotherapies are incredibly helpful, um, and that doesn't mean everybody needs to be on medication by any mm-hmm. means. But mm-hmm. again, it's one of those issues of you should have the option to know what the rational, helpful strategies are, and sometimes medications are those. You know. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of people who are, you know leave AA and uh, you know find out that. They get diagnosed properly, and uh, they take medication, and they're or they go do trauma work, and they deal with their core issues, and they're no longer. Yep. Many of them can drink moderately. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I definitely. So it sounds sounds pretty good to me. Uh, let's see. Um, the other thing I was going to say about it, I think, is is that that 
um, and, and this is coming entirely from my perspective as an outpatient provider for years and years, which is um, really, really trying to understand the experience that people have with struggling with substances as one that doesn't just sort of go away. Um, you don't have to endorse some sort of lifelong disease model, but if someone actually needs to be in a residential level of care, this shit is hitting the fan pretty badly, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that happens horrendously in, in rehabs is, and I know this because I'm on the other end of it, mm-hmm. um, is I get a call from the discharge coordinator of some rehab saying, um, yeah, John is going to be, um, it's, it's Tuesday, John's going to be um, flying home tomorrow. Um, could you set him up for an appointment um, on Friday, uh, and um, his treatment plan is he's going to do a 90-90 and um, see you. So thanks a lot. Um, wow. And that's after 28 days of intensive treatment, where theoretically they should have a pretty deep understanding of that person by now. Um, and there's no plan that matches that at all. It's just send them home, tell them to go to AA, and, you know, that's that. Wow. Um, and the, not, not only is it is a bad treatment plan, but it's what it – entirely misses is the idea to to me and and in terms of the work we'll do in our rehab that for us rehab is is a place to start this long-term process it's not a place to be in a magical bubble where there's a chef and everything's great and everyone's nice to you all the time it's a place to to like from day one really dig in and go what the hell is going on in my life and what needs to change here and that i can sustain Mm -hmm. um you know i'm not on vacation um, I'm, I'm here to like figure shit out that's really hard and my life is quite painful and my life is not changing while I'm away it's going to be there when I come back so I need to use the time I'm away to actually figure out how to manage my life um, and, and not be removed from it I, I will be physically removed from it but I actually need to sort it out while I'm here and, and concretely put in place what needs to happen here to make my life work better for me to make my life one that I like better um, right, right. That you can do while you're in rehab, you know. Yeah, one of the things that I, I liked when I had met Tom, I went down in there and, and interviewed him and saw his uh, practical recovery, was the way that, as opposed to the other way, people were treated like uh, adults, and and even if they mm-hmm. were young adults, what do they want? Like, what do they want to mm-hmm. do? They want to be abstinent. Yep. They want to learn moderation which I can tell, you know, is your same model. Like, I, I not only are some of the places just, you know, lovely places to go where they do nothing, but uh, there's also very abusive places where they're very condescending and uh, mm-hmm. punitive, and they think they know everything because they have 15 or 20 years in AA or NA. Uh, so I think there's a lot of abuse that goes on, and I'm not talking about teenager abuse, you know, in the teen, yep. uh, you know, wilderness camps, because I've interviewed some of those people on my radio show, and, uh, but I know from living in L.A., people have gone up to Biddy Ford and people have been to Promises and more from Biddy Ford. But I, I think that you're, you're on the right path, and I think, and I'm sure you know that, but it's kind of exciting for those of us that have been in our own bubble of not only exposing but educating people that there's these other choices. And, yep. in fact, I, you know what I mean? I, so I, not only do I want to yeah, have very you much. on and have you on again maybe in a couple months, but to talk with you off, or, you know, not on the air, about how we can sort of join forces and how I can help in any way uh, to promote, because part of my film, at least a section of it, is going to be about these other options. 
and that other mm-hmm. help yep. resources that people can that people need really badly. Yeah, and you know, it's funny as you were saying that too. It, to me, it's like it's what we've been doing for years, which is again back to specific treatment approaches. You know, mm-hmm. mo- motivational treatment approaches, yeah. which are quite quite misunderstood by people. But you know, the the essence of a motivational approach is collaboration. Um, and, and that sort of, to me, as, on a cultural level, goes to the heart of everything we're talking about, which is, are we talking about uh, me as a treatment provider collaborating with another human being to try to figure out what's best for them and help them? Or are we talking about me as an expert telling them what they have to do because they're an addict? That mm. version doesn't work so well. It certainly doesn't work for me, and it doesn't work for most people. But that's part of the stigmatized version of reality. The motivational wow. approaches are much more about collaborating and and how can we best figure this out? Sure, I have a ton of knowledge. I've been doing this a long time. I'm an expert. That doesn't mean I have the right answer for you or that I get to tell you what to do. Um, yeah. But if you'd like, I'll give you a lot of information that will probably be really useful for you. So how do we figure out a way to collaborate on that? Um, and that's you know that's the heart of, of a motivational approach. And I think it's also the heart of, of, of breaking stigma, too. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, did you grow up in New York City? I grew up in New York State, not in New York City, but I lived in California and Oregon for a long time, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I miss it out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's been really hot out here. We've had like crazy, crazy hot winter. <laughs> it's like 80 degrees, yeah. and I was excited because I was like going to Ohio and traveling around for my film, and it'd be cold, and I'd be like, ooh, this is so fun. And people were like, what is wrong with it? <laughs> but uh, I know you had a real big cold snap back there. Has it passed, or is it still cold? It's still really cold. cold. It's about still really five cold. degrees outside my house right now. Yeah. Wow, wow, it's really cold. Uh, I am talking to Jeff Foote. He's a Ph.D., and uh, he has written the book that is called Beyond Addiction, he is the co-founder and executive director of the Center for Motivation and Change, a treatment center in New York City. And we are talking with him on Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. Um, one of the, sometimes people, when they're new at hearing this new language and conversation that we're doing, can you say, can you tell me what you mean by evidence-based treatments? Uh, sure. Um, it's well, you know, the, the the unfortunate part of evidence-based treatments now, as a concept, is <laughs> that you could look at any treatment program's website right now, and it'll say evidence-based treatment. Mm. So it's become a complete nonsensical buzzword. Mm. Um, what it <clears throat> what it actually means um, is that you know there's a a, a vast amount of, of research data that's been collected over the last 40 years, basically since, um, since uh, NIDA and NIAAA as federal research agencies began their work in the early 70s um, and started funding studies um, uh, comparing treatment approaches and strategies and um, medications and all kinds of stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's in, in, um, that work has progressed, and you know, in, in good scientific fashion, typically what you're trying to do is um, compare apples to apples and not have things be anecdotal and just say, okay, this treatment is supposed to work and this treatment is supposed to work and let's put them next to each other and randomly assign people, which is sort of the gold standard of science, you know, random assignment strategies. Right, um, right. And, and we'll see who wins. Um, and that's, there's, there's a very complex and interesting story about who wins and how do you judge that and um, does everything come out equal in the long run and there's 
there's some thought in the field that, well, when you really step back and look at it, everything works the same. I, I don't think that's actually that nuanced uh, an understanding of the research literature, and I think it really sort of depends on the population. Right. Um, but um, clearly there have been approaches that, if you rank order them, are more successful than others. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the on the bottom of the lists have always turned out now to be things like psychoeducation um, and mm-hmm. um, uh, interpersonal counseling, which is not not that it's not useful, but in terms of substance issues, it's not yeah. so helpful. Um, mm-hmm. uh, be- behavioral strategies are always very effective. Uh, motivational strategies turn out to be very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, pharmacotherapies turn out to be very effective. Um, so, you know, we've really amassed uh, a ton of information about what can be helpful. Um, and and that's that's data that's unbiased, not ideologically driven, um, and um, theoretically <laughs> could be trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, there's you have all kinds of problems with research, which is it's is it generalizable to another group of patients who are not the same ones in this study, and all those kind of things. There's tons of problems with it, but but that doesn't mean in, in broad brush you don't get some sense overall of what's helpful and what's not so helpful. Um, and across the board in mental health and in, in, in medicine, there's been a real push in the last 20 years to utilize those results of those kind of studies and, and establish, you know, a basis for how you would treat people. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you don't go to an oncologist and go, um, what, do you, what, what should I do? And they, they, you don't expect them to say, well, you know, chemotherapy could be useful, but I don't really believe in medication. So I think we should um, just talk about this for the next, you know, six months and see if you feel any better with your cancer. You would think that's <laughs> insane, um, and I'm out of here. Right, right, um, right. But, How about praying for them or turning your will and your life over to some guy or stranger, right, you and know, that's, and, that's and have them give in, you advice? In, that's right. That's right, and and that's that's sort of the state of of what's gone on for many years. As I said, I think it's gotten better for sure, but, um, but it's still there. And, and, you know, as you were commenting, I think the, the stigma in the larger culture has such an impact too. So, the, you know, the, the shows on TV that people watch are intervention. Yeah. You know, if we, had a, if we had a TV show called Motivational Interviewing, a reality show, I don't think anybody would watch. Um, <laughs> wouldn't be particularly exciting <clears throat> as two people uh, sit and just sort of sort things out together. Um, but lots of tears and confrontations and storming out of the house and all that kind of stuff is great. Um, it just so happens that interventions are remarkably unsuccessful if you actually look at the numbers. Um, yeah, it killed so, Corey Monteith from Glee. I mean, I know that he had a stepper intervention, and it killed him. And he was a young kid who, you know, went to um, a lot of those teen rehabs, and a lot of these stars... Uh, I think some of them certainly would be alive today, Amy Winehouse included, if she was treated uh, by somebody like yourself or somebody like Tom Horvath, uh, his place, or even non-12-step help. I I really can see it from where I came from and the mistakes that I made as a mother, the crap that I said to my children that are now young adult male, you know, men, they're 23 and 19. Um, but mm-hmm. thank God I left AA in time, um, you know, to get sane and to find out about all these other wonderful things, you know, motivational interviewing and, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. I was like, what? well, what's that? And 
what's uh, right. yep. EMD? Uh, you know, never heard of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I did was well, serious therapy myself 20 years ago, trauma work and rage work uh, with a really incredible therapist. But she had a PhD after her name, and she wasn't a stepper. And um, we didn't talk about how God was going to heal me and that I had any part in anything, anything that happened to me as a child, you know, or why I overdrank as a teenager and um, how I probably would have outgrown it, you know, uh, anyway. But I, I think that, um, you know, we're here with you, and, uh, you know, I'm really, really excited uh, about what you're doing and the fact that, you know, you have 25 uh, people, psychologists working at your place that, you know, I can do a whole piece. Maybe you can, whether you don't, you write it or somebody, and on my blog, we have it as a front page article. You know what I mean? And maybe I get someone to post it over on Orange Papers as well as a resource. So that, sure, I'm sure maybe somebody's already posted to. already. I don't know. But I think that. We have to do it. And, 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 yeah, no, that would be great. And, the, and the, the, um, as I said, the book feels like giving birth to something. That's, it's, it's, uh, that feels like such a vital message for us to have spent. I mean, it took us three years to write the damn thing. Um, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just feels like something we can actually say to families and say, you know what, <laughs> this is not hopeless. This is not ideologically driven. There's a lot right. to understand here. You can do this. You can be positive. You can stay connected to your to your husband, to your child. Um, you can take care of yourself and take care of them both, you know. Um, and yep. just for people to start to get that message, um, um you know, if I can sell 10 billion copies of this book, I'd be a happy man because I just think the message is incredibly important for people to hear. Um, yeah, I, as you I said, think it's so. not out in the culture. No, no, but it, at least we do have, you know, this alternate media tool, uh, which is mm-hmm. the Internet, um, that allows us to communicate and, you know, come together. And uh, I, I think that was a, the other... Um, there was I can't think of it now, but the, I did connect or try to contact. It was like some like social services having to do with like youth and alcohol and drug problems. So you have a lot of parents or like one of the things Marty Mann did is that she actually spoke at Rotary clubs. And I was like, oh my god, like this thing on on YouTube. I was like, you know, she was talking in that 1930s you know way, like hello, this is Alcoholics Anonymous. And we are here, and, and I finally like watched it the tenth time, you know, because I want to use it in my film. And I was like, oh my god, that says Rotary Club. That woman right. went from Rotary Club to Rotary Club. So I mean, I was at my city hall last night, and I just gave a talk on the dangers of AA, and that the, or there are other alternatives that were non-religious and that were more science-based. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. you know, we need to go, you or whoever, or you one of your younger to Rotary Clubs to, PS, you know, PTA meetings. I've done that already too. And said, "Here we go." Especially for parents, this is so beautiful what you've created. And I yep. do, we do need books. You do need books that can, yep. you know, gives people something to hold on to. They go and read it. And when you're when you're in that state with your kid, uh, you know, or a parent, I have to deal with my father and you know other family members, that you can read something that makes good sense. Um, now, yep. yep. One of the last I questions. I'll say, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say that the 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 other the other part of this model, which <clears throat> is I, I think is an important thing, which we've really tried to do with the twenty minute guide, the, um, that 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 book, um, which is the thing for parents, um, is when we do trainings, um, I, we have this concept of the waterfall, which is that that the information that I have 
about craft and motivational strategies and collaboration and affirmations of other people is not secret and it's not something I'm training someone to do but they're not supposed to tell the person they're working with. I, I want it to be transparent. So what I know I need to give to a parent who's going to be a coach because I want that person to work in the same way collaboratively and affirmatively with the parent who is calling them on the phone. And I want mm -hmm. that parent who's calling them on the phone to use those same ideas and have that same collaborative, affirmative um, response to their child. You know, mm -hmm. that that should all be the same information throughout the system, that there isn't special knowledge to be gotten, you know. Right, um, and right, right. You're not superior and, and we're going to hold on. And we, I think we that's know one, that, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one way to have it get transmitted into the culture better, too. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. There aren't holders of special knowledge who won't give it to you, you know. I, I agree, and I think that of, of the um, antiquated programs, Al-Anon has grown the least. Uh, I, I went to Al-Anon for many years to very small meetings when my father was, you know, just anyway, it was a hard, difficult time. But um, it never really grew, and it still hasn't, and there's a reason. Mm -hmm. And so there, But there's a real need for something for, uh, you know, for parents but not just yeah. for parents. I mean, this is for, uh, no. I can see it's for anybody. You know, yeah, I mean, you have the parent sure. guide, which I think is important. It is a little different when you're dealing with a child. Uh, but you can lose a no, spouse. No, but I've actually, had other, I've actually had other therapists look at it and go, you know what, this, you know, I'm a child psychiatrist. I want to use this for my parents who have nothing to do with substances. This is just good stuff about parenting. <laughs> which I think it is because that's what the craft stuff and the motivational stuff is, you know. Right, right. It's really, really good. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, I, again, I am talking with Jeff Foote, and uh, he is from the Center for Motivation and Change, and the book is called Beyond Addiction. The website is motivationandchange.com. The rehab that you're opening is called CMC Berkshires. Now, wh when is that going to open? Uh, February 10th, two weeks. <laughs> wow. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, in what city? Um, a tiny little town in southern, south southwestern Massachusetts called New Marlboro. It's um, in the Berkshire Mountains. It's um, beautiful, beautiful area. So, mm -hmm. if you have to go somewhere for a month um, and listen to a bunch of um, psychologists yakking at you, it's a nice place to go. And can you go for just a week? Um, you can probably go for just two weeks. Um, really interesting question, and I think we'll. We'll see as we go. Um, mm -hmm. what we, as I said to you before, what we wanted to do is be able to have it be a flexible length of stay. Right, um, right. There, there, there is a community aspect to being in a residential center. There is, a, there is an aspect of bonding with other people and starting to trust them and all those issues that we all have with each other as human beings. So the, the idea of having people sort of come and go for a week feels like it might be, go a little bit in the other direction of forming a community sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we'll probably try to start at two weeks and go from there. Um, right. But at least you'll be able to come for shorter than a month, which I think is helpful. Wow. I, I love your website. Who made this site for you? <laughs> well, um, we have one of our psychologists, Josh King, and another uh, social media guy named Andre Sim, who are awesome. Um, we, we wrote a lot of material ourselves 10 years ago when we first opened, and spend a lot of time thinking through what we wanted to say and how we wanted to say it because I think language is incredibly important um, mm -hmm. in this culture mm -hmm. to talk about these issues in a way that's welcoming and non-stigmatizing and um, 
Um, so we spent a lot of time on it, um, and then they have subsequently spent a lot of time making it look like a modern website, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, they they really they really have. I mean, it's so uh, not slick, but so like uh, there's a smoothness. It's just beautiful. It's really mm-hmm. really beautiful. I really like it, and it's easy to navigate. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's uh, – there's some of them that feel very commercial. It's kind of scary when you find out about some of these rehabs that they're, they have 20 of them, and you call – like when I was first doing research, I would pick up the phone and say, hi, you know, if I had a kid, um, you, know, what, right. what, what's your, you know, what's your philosophy? What do you believe? And, uh, you know, it was kind of scary. And, I mean, it, it's become a billion-dollar industry. And if so yes, people, it has. It, insurance oh my god so if you could be paying a thousand dollars a day like one of the women in you know the person in my film was murdered but she was sent to a rehab where they paid a thousand dollars a day and blue cross and blue shield paid for it and all she got was 12-step meetings and they bust her to a meeting you know where she met a violent offender so right that that would be one of the downsides in terms of 12-step stuff as i said i'm not an anti-12-step person i think it's a valuable tool for some people but um i don't think it's ethical as a psychologist or a professional treatment provider to say, you're going to pay me a ton of money and I'm going to teach you the steps because you can get that for, for free. Um, right. And you can get it 24 hours a day. You don't need to talk to me about that. Right, um, right. So, but they, I think the nice thing about our rehab, um, I'll, I'll regret these words, but um, the nice thing is, you know, when you make the phone call, you'll talk to me, <laughs> actually, or to right. my partner, Carrie Wilkins, who founded the place with me. And, We'll actually try to figure out what's going on with you. So, um, wow. Not, well, we have about a, two not minutes a left. Rehab. We have. I know it's not. Do we have two minutes left? What else would you like to say? Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's an <laughs> open-ended question. <laughs> um, I, I would like to thank you for doing this. I think it's great that you do this at all, um, and that there's people out in the world trying to trying to instill some sanity into the culture around these issues. It's it's. Um, it's a, it's a tough series of issues in the culture, I think, to to um, talk about these things in a non-polarizing way. And a, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I have had my own share of anger about this. I remember saying to my partner Carrie when we opened our center ten years ago, you know, if I had to refer my brother for treatment, I'd be embarrassed about the state of the field. I, I wouldn't know where to send him. Um, and un- unfortunately, that's a little bit true still, uh, not as true as it was. Um, right, right, but. You know, I think all of these ways for us to keep the conversation going and and talk to people and have them hear a a different story than the sort of the main party line of the culture are all incredibly helpful. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Oh, well, I uh, thank you so much. It's uh, I can't help myself. (laughs) It's like what they say, why do you want to be a singer? It's like you can't help yourself. Um, Again, so we just had on with us Jeff Foote, and you can find him on Facebook and Twitter. Um, in it is a center for motivation and change, a treatment center in New York City. They have 25 psychologists there. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I hope we can have a conversation off the radio show so we can uh, support each other and help each other and get the word out about what you're doing. Uh, We'd love to. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. All and, right. Thanks uh, a lot. All right. You're welcome. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week on Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I'm your host, and we'll see you all next week. Okay, all right, bye, Jeff. Bye, thanks. You're welcome. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. See you next week.